welcome to the first QB list live stream of the season. Uh, tonight, we're going to be doing one of everyone's favorite August activities, and that is drafting a fantasy football team. There's nothing better this time of year, uh, especially when you're drafting a team that doesn't count for anything, means nothing, and we'll all forget about entirely after tonight. That is the fun of mock drafts, and we're going to be doing one tonight. We've got 12 of QB lists best and brightest here tonight to draft, uh, and also me. Uh, I'll be hosting this. I'm Miles Nelson, co-host of the QB List Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, but more importantly, more importantly to me, for sure, the people actually drafting. So today here with us, we're going to have three of the members uh, who are in this draft uh, live to talk about their picks, talk about their draft strategy. So drafting us with us today, we have Eric Smith, editor-in-chief of QB List, uh, and the man behind all the rankings. So if you have an issue with them, this is the guy that you need to be bugging. Eric, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing great. Ready for this mock. Um, I just realized I need to set my queue. So I'm throwing names in the queue as we speak. So getting prepared, ready for a draft. Thanks for having me. Dedicated to the game. I love it. You absolutely, absolutely need to have a clean queue when drafting because the last thing that you want to do is have it be your pick and have no idea what you're doing. Uh, and you definitely don't want to, you know, all right, perfect. I'm throwing in all my tight end sleepers right now, but it's round three. And you accidentally draft Irv Smith in the third round because that's the top of your queue. So you got to have that clean queue, have that ready to go. Uh, we also have Callan L. Slager, Cubulus podcaster, uh, who you will find this year on the Waiver Wire podcast. Callan, how's it going? Good to be back, Miles. Glad to be here. Uh, excited to draft this team and looking forward to it. Absolutely. Do you expect to see any of your Pittsburgh Steelers on the Waiver Wire this year? Anyone worth picking up? Because it kind of feels like we're drafting every member of the Steelers this year. Yeah, we'll find some sleepers. I have a couple names in mind who could possibly emerge, not in this draft, but they could have that breakout potential tight end sleeper this year. That's true. Yeah, there's a lot of people who have been in on uh, the tight end, the rookie whose name I am forgetting because it, it's a long one. Um, but also uh, a free, free, free remove. Uh, Pat Freermuth, I think it's Freermuth. There you go. That's why Callan's here to pronounce uh, his his tight end. There you go. That's exactly the only that I kind I partly talk for a living on this podcast. So that is the only thing that you are here for is to pronounce that one tight end's name. Also, your quarterback Roethlisberger, he might be. He might be waiver yeah. wire material, uh, definitely a QB streamer throughout the year. And finally, we have Ryan Heath joining us. Ryan, also uh, a podcaster and a writer as well, who just wrote that amazing article about league winning running backs. Um, he's going to be joining myself and Eric on the Sit Start podcast this year. So, Ryan, how's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to be here. I know it's fantasy football season now. I have all these different people in my life asking me to help them draft teams coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that's how I know it's my favorite time of year and I'm ready to go tonight. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was very excited. I just started a new job recently. Very excited to, to tell everyone. Yeah, like we're all talking about our side hustles and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I work and write for this uh, uh, fantasy football website. And now I'm regretting it because I'm getting so many DMs about mid-round sleepers. And someone hit me up. And they're like, what? who should I take in the middle of my draft? And I was like, oh, awesome. Uh, what's your format? Like standard PPR is like, oh, I don't know. Drafts in two weeks. I have no idea. Like, okay. Yeah, that's always the uh, answer is, oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I'll find out later maybe. Uh, can, yes. you, can you call me at this time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Damien Harris, maybe not. I don't know. It could just very, very dependent on your format here. But uh, no, absolutely. It is definitely that time of year. And we know because, again, 
we're doing these drafts. By the way, um, we're going to be taking your questions throughout the live stream. So leave them in the chat. I will get to as many of them as I can throughout this uh, uh, live stream. So definitely send us those. You can uh, be able to send it in the chat on either Periscope or YouTube, wherever you're watching us, and I should be able to see them. Um, But let me ask you guys, before we start the draft, how do you prepare for your drafts? Um, Eric, let's start with you. Like, What kind of research are you doing before the draft starts? What are you looking at to kind of get ready for a night like tonight? Right. Well, it's probably not fair coming from me because I already have all my rankings set. So uh, I've kind of done a lot of the work ahead of time. But um, like I was saying, I like to go through and set at least the first three rounds, uh, get my queue set. Um, That seems to be the most frantic time of drafts. Uh, It's kind of the time that can make or break them. So I get my queue in order. I have a good idea of what my first three picks are and go from there. Um, Obviously, catching up on some last minute injury news helps. Um, I see uh, Daryl Henderson maybe hurt his thumb in practice. So it never ends with fantasy football. But I'm just trying to stay on top of the news and setting your queue. What do you do you have anything readily available? Like, do you print out like rankings? You got your highlighter there or are you more like just what's on your computer type of guy? Or or are you just flying, you know, blind? Like, what, what do you do when the draft's actually going? No, I have my ranks up, um, definitely ranks up. And if I'm drafting in person, I'm, I'm pen and paper. I don't want to mess with a laptop. Uh, that's just a good way to miss a pick and time out. So I'm old school if I'm drafting in person. Sometimes even on the internet, I'll have it there just to um, kind of have a, a backup plan. But um, no, I, I, I generally eyeball it. And um, But I've done enough of these drafts. Like I said, it's maybe not fair asking me. So. Okay, well then let, let's move on to someone else then, Eric, uh, if I can't ask you. Callan, what do you, how do you prep for a draft and what do you have there with you when you're actually drafting? So like Eric, I have my rankings pretty set. I've been working on projections for myself throughout the offseason. They're pretty set, ready to go. So I have those up with, along with my rankings that come from those. I usually just go straight off the laptop. I'll print it out similarly if I have a pen and paper to live draft, but I don't especially in the times when there's not many of those going on right now, but uh, so I just have those up and usually I'll also pull up either NFC or fantasy pros, ADP data, just mm-hmm. so I have an idea of, of some sleepers or guys who I may want to draft and kind of picking around. Okay. Can I wait another round on this guy and playing with that in my head? So I, I helps have ADP up as well. All right, Ryan, how about you? How are you preparing? Yeah. So for my preparation, aside from looking at rankings and projections, like they've talked about, uh, really the biggest thing for me is practice, practice, practice. I mean, right now we're doing a mock draft that kind of is practice, but you can actually do best ball drafts all summer long on platforms like Yahoo or on underdog fantasy, do like a $1, $3, $5 draft. It's a lot of fun and it's going to do the best job of giving you an idea where you like to get guys, where you usually can get guys. That's really the best thing that you can do to prepare for a big draft, in my opinion. And in front of me, I usually fly kind of blind. I will sort of have like my own personal rankings in my head. Like I know where I like to get guys just because I've done so many of them this summer. But yeah, like you said, probably not fair to ask me. I think it can really help to have like some tiered rankings up next to you. And yeah, I agree. Live draft, pencil, uh, paper and pencils, the way to go. Laptop just gets annoying and cumbersome. I'm drafting from my phone tonight. So there you go. I, um, that's a little rich for my blood dollar, dollar best ball draft. I don't know if I can do that. You know, <laughs> I need to, I need to save that money for, um, 
Arizona, I guess. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't drink those anymore. So I don't know what I'm saving that dollar for, but that is a really good idea. I know a lot of people have been doing more best ball drafts throughout the summer. So uh, definitely a great way to draft and actually have some skin in the game. There's nothing worse than joining like a public mock draft. And you see by round four, like eight of the teams are auto picking. So that always sucks. Um, do you guys have anything specific that you keep snacks, water, coffee, tea, beer, any of that stuff? Anyone just kind of open ended question here. Definitely water. Um, maybe a later night podcast. We'll have some beer. But uh, this is full early. vodka, by the way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, you're not drafting, so you don't need to worry about auto drafting exactly. Blake Jarwin in the second round. There you go. There you go. All right. So then once you find out what pick you have, because normally when you're doing live drafts, I feel like a lot of people, right, you're doing your live drafts on Yahoo. You don't find out what your pick is uh, until like 15, maybe 30 minutes before the draft. And that's even if you're, you know, being on top of it ahead of time. What do you do? Once you find out what pick you have, like what, what is immediately going through your mind? What, what moves do you make now that, you know, all right, cool. I've got pick four. What, what runs through your mind, Ryan, we're going to go to you first. Yeah, sure. So I just found out that my pick in this draft is 11th overall. So being at the back of the first round, I know that there I like to target a top wide receiver or potentially Travis Kelsey. And I know that from there, the rest of my draft is going to be informed by that first pick I made. So since I'm probably not going to go running back in the first, I might go running back in the early second. There's a couple guys I like there. And as I run down, I'm going to always know how much draft capital I've already spent at each position. And that's going to inform my decisions as I go. And you always have to be open to something happening that you don't expect to. I was helping a friend with a super flex draft a couple days ago and Patrick Mahomes fell to the 108. And I told him that he had to press that draft player button as fast as he possibly could. So you always got to be open to change as well. Yeah, in a super flex league, quarterbacks go a lot faster than in normal league. So while no one will ever recommend drafting Patrick Mahomes in the eighth with the eighth pick, in a super flex league, yeah, sure, that's absolutely different. Knowing knowing your by the way, knowing your draft, your league settings usually helpful. Um, Callan, what about you? You find out what pick you have. What's the first move you're making? So I was talking about ADP, and usually that's kind of where I go. Is I'll look at the ADP and. Start looking, okay, around this pick, these are generally the guys who are available. So you start kind of mapping your head the strategy of, do you want to go running back early? Do you want to go wide receiver early? Can I get one of these running backs second round? So then like Ryan, you got to stay flexible because crazy things have happened. You think about from your spot, will one of those tight ends be available for you in the early rounds? Do you want to do that? You start kind of mapping out based on patterns you've seen from previous drafts, but stay flexible that, things change every draft is a whole blank slate that changes in a flash yeah absolutely um by the way to answer one of the questions in the chat i'm not really a question but um i'm not a, really a gin guy it's too dry for me i'm also not really a vodka guy either I'm more just straight whiskey and that's pretty much all i'll drink uh all right so tonight's draft uh is going to be ppr uh three wide receiver leagues so we've got 10 uh starting roster spots uh one quarterback two running back Three wide receiver, uh, tight end, a flex position, kicker, and defense. We're actually going to make you guys drop that tonight. Uh, I know everyone uh, likes to avoid these spots, but I want to see for real how you guys handle them. Uh, and if anyone here will draft defenses like they do in my Yahoo public leagues, a.k.a. like in the seventh round. Uh, and then there's going to be five bench spots for a total of 15 roster spots. Uh, and we are going to be starting the draft here in just a second. Uh, remember, uh, once again, you can leave your thoughts, questions in the chat, and we are going to address them as much as we can. Uh, looks like Joe Orlovsky is on the clock here with the first pick. And is it safe to say, would you guys say that drafts this year really seem to start at pick three? Or have you guys seen anyone make uh, unexpected moves with the second pick? 
I've seen some Derrick Henry galaxy braining going on in the top two picks in some drafts I've done, but as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it starts after Christian McCaffrey and Dalvin. All right, Cook well, yeah, not board. not here because McCaffrey and Cook went one and two. It's Callan, you took game. Alvin Kamara number three. Um, why Kamara over the likes of Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, or like the wide receivers? Is it PPR? You know, there's safe volume with Alvin Kamara and within the passing game, and Derrick Henry is going to be great, but you wonder. With the addition of Julio Jones, do they try and scale back his carries slightly? I just know that the safe volume of Kamara is there, and it's a pretty pretty easy call. First three for me, those three, it's it's straightforward and doesn't change really for me. Yeah, that's fair. And now we have Travis Kelsey going off the board at pick five, which is pretty much at the upper end of his picks. Eric, you are on the clock with pick six, and you took Devontae Adams. You took a wide receiver. Why wide receiver here at pick six? Yeah, so I I mean, I've been really, I've been getting one running back early in these drafts and just taking receiver after receiver in them. And Devontae Adams is my sixth best player on the board here. I'm going to stick with it. I feel confident enough of the players I can get in the second round that I think I can get a good running back there if I need to. Um, and I do think zero running back is a viable strategy if you need to do it. So um, I just think he's the best player here. Um, I'll see how it settles to me in the second round and go from there. But um, I just I don't want to reach on a running back. And I think the first tier of running backs for me is gone there. All right. So uh, you took Devontae Adams and we saw Tyreek Hill go right after you to Mark Salazar. Uh, Saquon Barkley and Jonathan Taylor go at eight and nine. This is really surprising because I've seen uh, Ezekiel Elliott's ADP really keep climbing and climbing lately to the point that I've seen him being picked as high as third overall. Um, he's been going top five pretty consistently uh, in uh, fantasy data's ADP, and he drops all the way to 10 um, before uh, Ryan picking another wide receiver here in Stefan Diggs. So we have three wide receivers in the first round. That feels like a lot. That feels like a lot. Yeah, it might be a lot. I mean, I was really hoping that Adams or Hill would fall to me. And then I saw Ezekiel Elliott sliding down that board thinking I'd get really lucky. But I'm fine with Diggs there. I have him in that tier with Hill and Adams. I mean, he's an elite producer. That offense is going to run through him. And Josh Allen's probably going to have another incredible year. So I'm cool with Diggs in the first round. And then you pick Antonio Gibson as your first running back over the likes of someone like Austin Eckler, who went the pick after him. Um, I know you identified Gibson in that article as someone who could really break out this year. Uh, and it looks like you're willing to kind of plant your flag as him being your your number one running back. Yeah, I've been planting my flag on Antonio Gibson in the early second pretty much uh, since I wrote that article. I really like a lot of his peripherals i mean in the last couple of weeks of the preseason we haven't seen him playing on third downs as much as we've maybe hoped but yep. they have been scheming him touches in the passing game i don't really care if he gets it on third down as long as he's catching the ball i don't care if it's on first second or third down so i really think he has a lot of upside this year and i'm not backing off the antonio gibson has uh number one running back overall potential this year yeah, J.D. McKissick was in uh, on a third and one, and that was kind of a, a, an issue that people were, were very concerned about, that he, you know, Gibson was not going to be getting these third down touches. But um, if they're scheming him looks in the passing game, then that's just as productive, whether it's on first, second, or third down. Um, do we think Ezekiel Elliott's ADP is climbing because of hard knocks, because the Cowboys are the feature team on hard knocks this year? There's always that hard knocks. There's always that hard knocks bump that you get from people. So it wouldn't shock me if it's a slight bump. I don't know if the going all the way to three would be based on that, but wouldn't shock me if part of it is due to that. People just want to see Zeke not washed up and looking explosive. So if he's out there on hard knocks cutting, I'll I'll jump him up a few rounds for sure. 
Yeah. Not a few rounds, few picks. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say a few rounds. Wow, he's being picked in the negative second round. So you pick Najee Harris here after a little wide receiver run of Hopkins, Metcalf, and Ridley. If if the wide receivers weren't going off the board so quickly, would you have gone zero RB here? Yeah, I would have. Um, actually, if, if Najee Harris was not there, I would have gone with um, Calvin. Right now, Calvin Ridley went right before. A.J. Brown, probably. Justin Jefferson. Um, mm-hmm. I, he was the last of that tier for me. Najee Harris was. So I was pretty happy to get him there. And that's kind of what I was debating at the first pick, taking Devontae Adams. And it worked out nicely. I like Devontae Adams and Najee Harris more than Saquon Barkley and Calvin Ridley. So um, I really like that. I could have missed it by one. And then I just pivot to more receivers. Yeah, this was this was the fastest I've seen receivers go off the board um in drafts i mean digs in the first round and then all three of ridley metcalf and hopkins off the board before we're halfway through round two so i wonder if if one of those picks was harris instead um if you would still like your team as much i mean we still have so much more draft to go but it's something certainly interesting um speaking of aj brown he goes at uh your second pick Callan. so now you have camara and brown all three of you have a wide receiver running back so um without saying your own team because obviously that's who you feel best about. Which of these pairings do you feel best about? Um, Callan, we'll start with you. Do you like Eric's pairing of wide receiver and running back or Ryan's? I'm going to be biased with as a Steeler fan. I like Eric's pick. I think uh, Dante Adams is the number one wide receiver. Najee Harris come back around. He's going to get the volume. I like Antonio Gibson. I still have some question. I'll take him over um, Harris for sure, but I think there's just a slight question mark, so I'll take a more sure thing with Adams and Harris and with Diggs and Gibson, but both I'd be happy with. Eric, who do you feel better about, Kamara and Brown or Diggs and Gibson? I like Kamara and Brown, but it's kind of cheating. Uh, three is a great spot there to get Kamara. So um, Ryan did well. I, I would have taken Gibson if he was there for me in the second round. So I love Diggs and Gibson as well. All right. And then Darren Waller went right before your pick. Callan, was Waller at all a consideration for you in the second round? No, I, I tend to try to avoid tight end vet early. I'm kind of steering more. So you're not picking George Kittle here? No, I'm not going to take George Kittle here. (laughs) So you, all of you have a running back wide receiver. Where are you looking next? Is it just best player available or do you want like a position specifically? Like if you had your choice. I'm trying to go best player available, but um, it's yeah. I, I think some of the running backs I'd like to let fall another round, but we'll see who goes ahead of me here. Well, Mahomes goes ahead of you in the third round. Uh, actually, is it probably a good spot for him, middle of the third round? Ryan, are you? Are you? I mean, you kind of have a turn spot almost at pick eleven. You basically have two picks in a in a four pick swing. Um, how do you approach those picks? Do you see them as kind of being like almost one, you know, like one pick together? Like, how, are you looking at one position first and then hoping the other position you can get someone there? Like, what's your approach there at the end of the at the end of the round? Yeah, whenever I'm drafting on or near the turn, what I'm really trying to do is start a run at whatever position it might be, because those runs will get away from you if you're on the turn. It's 20 plus picks between your picks. So what you want to do, your only power really is you can draft the same position twice in a row and hopefully start a run that other people are going to have to chase. So I didn't do that in the first and second round, but we might do that coming up here in a minute. Oh, we'll have to see if you can start a run. Um, Eric, you and Callan both went with a wide receiver here in the third round. Um, I mean, I don't know how much of that is the fact that at this point in the draft, I mean, DeAndre Swift and uh, CEH both went at the beginning of the third round. So best options on the board were like J.K. Dobbins, um, maybe David Montgomery, uh, Chris Carson are the guys that are are generally going to be available at this spot. So I don't know how much of it was just the running backs available, but, you know, is this, do you feel better with two wide receivers and a running back after three rounds? 
this is my preferred strategy for sure. Um, I got sniped on quite a few there. I wanted those. So I was kind of scrambling when I took Terry McLaurin. Uh, it's kind of a toss up between McLaurin and Mike Evans, honestly, for me. And I just draft Mike Evans in every draft. I figured I'd mix it up with McLaurin. <laughs> but um, Keenan Allen's who I really wanted. That's who Cowan got. Would have loved to have seen him fall. Uh, C.D. Lamb would have been great. Um, DeAndre Swift, I was surprised to see go there. I thought he might fall a little bit, but I guess he's back in practicing. He was one of my running back targets as well. Uh, Callan, what about you? I was actually looking to go running back there. Honestly, DeAndre Swift was my target there, and then he got sniped in front of me. And the value for Keenan Allen, I think it's just a good spot. I'm okay with trying to see if I can get a running back on the, into round four, kind of like Eric was doing. I'd rather go two running backs to start, but I'm willing to win a, someone like Keenan Allen still there, and you can start off Brown and Allen. Can't get too mad about that. Yeah, absolutely. So you took Amari Cooper there with uh, your third pick, Ryan. So all three of you starting with two wide receivers and a running back. Um, are you looking to pick another wide receiver here, Ryan? Yeah, almost certainly. I like this uh, like chunk of wide receivers here a lot more than the running backs available. I mean, you're, you're really looking at guys like Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs. These are right. like your typical dead zone running backs that we talk about. So th this wide receiver zone, I think, is really juicy, and I'm about to take a second one, and I will be going with Cooper Cup. Nice. Oh, great. So now your team name can easily be Amari Cooper Cup. I love it. Uh, this is exactly why, and, and you mentioned that about wide receivers, exactly how I feel. This is exactly why I really want to start my drafts with two running backs. Um, I went into my first drafts thinking that I would do – uh, probably running back wide receiver or maybe even go because I really like Kelsey. But as I've been doing drafts, I find I don't want to be drafting running backs at this point. Um, there's maybe a few people left on the board. Montgomery, one of them. I love that uh, pick for uh, Aaron Raider of, of uh, David Montgomery. But like there's not many running backs at this point that I still want on the team. So I, I kind of find myself wanting to get like if I get Mike Davis or Miles Gaskin, I want them as like my third running back. I don't want them as RB2. So I'm not, I want two running backs early on. So it's really interesting to me to see all of you, you know, not doing that. I'm very curious to see who your RB2s end up being. Well, I think the um, argument there is just that you can just kind of spam the wide receiver position, fill your three wide receivers, fill your flex, have good backups. And then you're just worried about your running back two all year. You locked in your running back one with a good one. And then you just use the rest of your bench to piece together that position, get waiver wire pickups. You know, I, I think that's the argument there. So that's why yeah, a lot of us go receiver heavy. If you're in a fab league, I guess it's different if you're in a waiver wire league, because you can just spam it. But if you're in a fab league, like running back to the ones that you spend all your money, like you could easily be out of fab by week three. If you go into the season thinking I'll get my second running back on the wire. So that's why for me, I want to make sure that I at least have some depth there. Um, but you're on the clock here, Eric, and you take another wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, so you've got your three wide receiver spots filled up in Adams, McLaurin, and Woods. I like that wide receiver court. I like that a lot. Thank you. you I, I you almost went quarterback there. So uh, that's all, you know, uh, it probably won't make it back to me, but I was really tempted to pull the trigger on a quarterback. So you sniped me there. I was, I, I was looking to long distance snipes. So, yep. Callan, how are you, how are you pivoting now that Robert uh, Woods got Good, good question. Um, I'm trying to pivot right now. Um, I'm so go so in it. a second, after you've pivoted, you can tell us what your thought process was yeah. and how, what you do. Uh, Eric, while Callan's trying to pivot, what, what happens to you uh, when someone gets sniped? Um, you know, like you had with Keenan Allen uh, when Callan took him uh, from you. What do you do in those moments? How do you, how do you, you know, move on to the next pick? I mean, that's why it helps for sure to have your queue set, especially those first few rounds where a mistake is just terrible. Um, that way you can just kind of default to your rankings if you get in a panic. But um, I, I think you know those players that you're targeting in every draft. And if you're on the clock and you don't know what to do, 
Um, I would throw out ADP if you have to. If it's someone you really like and it'd be a round or two later, then just grab them. It's better than just getting auto-drafted some veteran that you're just over. So um, I, I think go with your guy if you get last second on the clock. And I really like Callen's pick there for a last second uh, pick. That was a solid one. And we all have the exact same team build, so we obviously know what we're doing. <laughs> or, or none of you know what you're doing either all of you know what you're doing or none of you know what you're doing uh t higgins at the beginning of the fifth round that has to be i mean that may not be a high for him but that is definitely early um seeing him there at pick 49 um eric um seeing as you're currently live streaming from uh one of the offices there uh at the Bengal stadium what are you do you think this is an early pick for t higgins or are you on board with it no, I, I'm on board with it. Um, I had Jamar Chase really high, and I don't think some of the stories coming out of camp are, are enough to just bail on Jamar Chase, but um, it's enough to show that there's a learning curve here. He's not going to hit the ground running, most likely from week one. And I do think whoever the number one is in this offense has a huge opportunity. So, um, I, yeah, I flip-flopped Higgins and Chase in my rankings as well. Um, if you have uh, Chase in a dynasty league, I'm not worried. Uh, I just think the first few weeks of the season might be a little touchy with them. So, um, yeah, Higgins has jumped ahead of Jamar Chase for me. Yeah, this is 20 picks earlier than his ADP. However, you know, to your point earlier, um, Ryan, on being at the turn, we have, I mean, he picked it, uh, Joe Orlowski picked him at pick 49. His next pick isn't until 73 uh, or 72, rather. So there's 23 picks before he gets another selection. Uh, getting Higgins there, you kind of do have to reach and, and take that pick, or else you're probably not getting him um, there. Which also, by the way, Ryan, I would I would ask you about your um, Patriots, but um, there haven't been any relevant ones for me to ask you about. Yeah, that you might be waiting a little while before we get to some Patriots talk in this mock draft. Well, well I'll definitely ask you about Damien Harris when he gets picked here some point in the next 15 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some, we, we might be waiting. Yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath. So, um. Uh, Miles Gaskin goes in the fifth round. I feel like we were all kind of overreacting a little bit. I don't know. Maybe we can overreact again after week three, but uh, I feel like Gaskin should have gone ahead of like Miles Sanders and maybe even Daryl Henderson. I don't know how you guys feel about Gaskin, but I, f- I feel like we probably overreacted a little bit. Yeah, I think we did. Like the whole industry, not just us. We overcorrected. Yeah, we've overcorrected a couple times here. So uh, as long as he's catching the passes, that's what we want from Miles Gaskin. So until I see a reason that he's not out there on third down, and passing situations. Um, I think he's, he's a decent mid round value. And yeah. then uh, Callan, you taking Lamar Jackson here in the fifth round, Eric taking Dak Prescott. So now we have five quarterbacks off the board here uh, midway through round five. This is, this is kind of the point where you either get your guy or you kind of just get whoever's left over. It feels like. Yeah. And that was a bit of a panic pick for me, Dak Prescott. So I watched my cue just get wiped out and um yeah, I I, th- I felt like he had the best upside of the remaining quarterbacks, and I didn't love any of the receivers, so that's how I ended up with Dak. I don't know about you, Callan. You got one of the quarterbacks I wanted, so I should have known they weren't going to I don't usually go quarterback early. I've been kind of doing a little bit more. Being a foul running back and Lamar Jackson essentially running like a running back at times, I figured this would be good value, try and get the rushing production from him to fill both the passing game if he does decide to pass more than 20 times a game. And then the rushing floor, which you know he has, will fill out some of the running back needs I have. All right, yeah, and then Ryan, you're the first one of the group to get your RB2, and it's Travis Etienne of Jacksonville, who does anyone know if he's like how many touches he's going to get? I, I feel like we're all kind of being a little optimistic uh, about how many potential touches he's going to get, but it sounds like you know James Robinson and Carlos Hyde aren't going anywhere at the moment. How many touches are you projecting per game for Etienne, Ryan? 
if ETN sees 15 touches per game with six or seven targets, I know you sa- you're like, whoa, but wow. really, I, I think starting out, I think 10 rushes uh, per game is in his range of outcomes. And as the season goes on, I think he really could come on. I mean, this maybe I'm a sucker here. Like, this is the archetype of running back that I am always drafting in the middle rounds. The skilled receiver that is a rookie with high draft capital. I mean, it kind of worked out for me in like Miles Sanders rookie year. He had some really nice games down the stretch there. So that that's kind of the type of player I'm looking at for my RB2 a lot of the time, just because there's a lot of upside there. And if he doesn't work out, I mean, fifth round, that's not going to completely kill you. I uh I just 10, 10 rushes per game. I feel like that's like where we're going to be in ra- in like week eight or nine. Like he's going to work his way up to those 10 rushes. That's my concern with ETN that if they're going to use him more in that third down role, we might see like Naeem Hines level usage, which is not a fifth round player. Uh, but that, you know, ETN, however, does has the have the draft capital. Um, the guys in front of him aren't exactly world beaters. So, I, I, I mean, the upside is there. That's yeah. just... Uh, it's very it's very rare for players with the draft capital of ETN to not be used heavily in their rookie years. And that's just a historical bet that I'm fine planting my flag on at the end of the fifth round. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh I think someone had posted in our Discord uh within the last five years, only one first round running back did not get like two hundred plus touches their rookie season. Um and it was Rashad Penny, who was hurt. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean the history is definitely on your side. Um, Eric, you went with Trey Sermon, who I take everything I just said about ETN and copy and paste it and subtract draft capital and subtract, uh, you know, the fact that the guys in front of, I I mean, I feel like Raheem Mostert might be, uh, I don't know, Mostert and Robinson might be similarly entrenched there in the starting role, but, uh, Sermon in round six, uh, I feel like I would have rather had Javante Williams. I mean, those were the two on my board, so take your pick there. Um, I just like the upside in San Francisco a lot more. I love Shanahan, love the possibility if we get Trey Lance in there. I just think they have an excellent running game, and there's a lot of reasons Sermon may end up like J.K. Dobbins last year where it takes him a while to get going, but I just the upside is huge. I'm similar to Ryan here. My RB2, I want to swing for the upside. Um, I can get some PPR backs later on. So um, the ankle injury that forced him to sit out, uh, you know, don't feel great about doing that at this point, but – when you're drafting at this part of the season, you never know if these injuries are serious or not. So I wouldn't let them scare you off too much until you see a, a real injury report. So, Miles, you said you like Javante Williams? Yes, I, I, I like Javante Williams here <laughs> more than Trey Sermon. I just think uh, with with San Francisco, right, I mean, I think Sermon has more of a floor than Javante Williams because San Francisco will mix and match the running backs. Um, with Denver, I feel like there's a better chance Javante just takes the job from Melvin Gordon. It's going to take a while and he's not someone that I want to be starting week one, but I think I will like Javante Williams in week five, a whole lot more than I'll like Trey Sermon in week five. Yeah. You know, I something like that. Because he's, because he's why I ended up taking him from that round. So that's the only reason. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't know. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't notice that. Callan, you, you good pick. Good pick. Uh, I will Callan and Eric, um, you guys both took quarterbacks, uh, both Wilson and Herbert were picked before you would have come back around. Do you feel good then that you picked the quarterback when you did and didn't wait uh, for Rogers or even hurts um, at the end of the six, uh, sixth round. Yeah, I, I feel fine about Dak there. Um, Rogers, I would have been okay with as well, but that was the last one and I would have been cutting it awfully close. So yeah, I'm glad I just went with it and got a quarterback out of the way. I would have been fine with Rogers, but with what my team I felt like needed, but I felt like 
going up and t- snagging Rodgers in the fifth, or not Rodgers, Steve Jackson in the fifth was a, a good pick for me. So I would have been fine sitting out and getting Rodgers in the sixth, but with the running backs who are there, I'm good with the Jackson Williams turn compared to Rodgers and ETN or something like that. Right. Uh, Russell Wilson also picked in that round. Uh, and that was about you, Ryan. So, um, I mean, it's tough because your previous pick to that was pick uh, 38, I think, at the beginning of the fourth round there. So I don't think you're picking, uh, you know, a, one of the quarterbacks available there. Um, Murray and Jackson both went after pick 49. So it would have been a, a much earlier pick to grab one of those guys. Um, but to get Russell Wilson in round six, probably feel good about that, right? Yeah, I feel really good about Russell Wilson in round six this year. I mean, he's really the bottom of that top tier of six guys for me that are really elite through the air and really elite on the ground. I mean, I really like that Brian Schottenheimer is no longer in Seattle. We could see Russ cooking for the entire season this time instead of just the first half. If Tyler Lockett can stay healthy, I mean, that that team is set up to break some leagues this year. Well, and with you on the board here, what are you looking to do with your next two picks? And by the way, how how much do you factor in the roster construction of the person picking after you when you're making your picks? Uh, I try not to completely overthink it. I mean, right now I'm kind of looking at tight end. I mean, I, I know we've had lots of discourse about Dallas Goddard, but he's someone that I'm comfortable with there ahead of Noah Fant. I mean, I really just see a way better path to consistent volume for him than I do for Fant. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of any of the wide receivers that are left on the board, except for one, which I'm hoping will still be there on the wraparound here. And yes, he's still there. And that is Mr. Antonio Brown, who has had higher target shares than both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans uh, in games that all three of them played last year. Tom Brady absolutely, absolutely loves him. And I still have no idea why he's going four rounds after both Godwin and Evans. So let me, let me ask you, you picked Dallas Goddard first and um, Corey who was picking in, in round uh, or sorry, in pick 12, right? One right after you, he did not have a tight end on his roster. If he had, let's say he had drafted, I don't know, TJ Hawkinson around before, would you have picked Brown first and then uh, Goddard on the wraparound expecting that he wouldn't pick uh, a tight end during those two picks? Or were you going with Goddard there regardless, just to make sure you got him? Uh, I mean, that's definitely the smart thing to do. I mean, I did I glance and see if he had a tight end? Yes, but I, I don't think that's always the most important. If you have a guy there, I mean, it's two picks. Like, I would just take your guy if you really believe that you need him there. Goddard, I mean, I had him and Fant next to each other, so it wouldn't have been the end of the world to miss out on one or the other. Uh, so, I mean... Yeah, it was possible that Corey could have taken one, but it probably wouldn't have been that big a deal. So maybe I should have taken round first. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, especially at least in home leagues, I always found they're very unpredictable. And when you think, just when you think, oh, yeah, this guy drafted Travis Kelsey, he's not going to draft the backup tight end. They they do. For some reason, that literally happened to me one time. I, I was at the turn. I think I'd picked 10. Both guys after me had had tight ends, including Travis Kelsey on one team. And that team drafted. Not just the tight end, but the tight end I wanted, which I believe was Logan Thomas. I think he took Logan Thomas in like round 13 last year. And I was like, really? Really? I don't, I'm the only person who doesn't have a tight end. And we're out here drafting backup tight ends. Okay, cool. Speaking of Logan Thomas, Eric, you take him here in round eight. Uh, do you see more of what happened last year, even with a new quarterback in town uh, and supposedly more pass attempts to Antonio Gibson? 
Yeah, I do. I mean, Logan Thomas had 110 targets last year. There are a lot of tight ends that aren't going to sniff that, just period. Um, and that was with a pretty limited offense with Alex Smith and other quarterbacks. Um, there was a, a tweet that I shared in our uh, what we saw on Reddit. Um, you know, when Ryan Fitzpatrick's been on the field this preseason, Logan Thomas has been out there for every snap. Um, he's running a route on like every single drop back. They're putting him out wide. Uh, so I just think if he gets better production from the quarterback position this year on 110 targets, uh, he could blow up. So that's what I'm banking on with Thomas. He's really talented. He's a veteran tight end. We don't have to worry about him learning the position. So I, I'm all on board with Thomas this year. Yeah, if Dwayne Haskins isn't throwing him the ball. Um, we have to talk about the player picked after you, and that was Corey Davis, who has been absolutely screaming up draft boards lately. Um, his ADP continues to climb and climb and climb. Um, it, According to fantasy data, moved up 13 spots in the last week, and I think or it's going to climb uh, even more over this next week as people react to this past week of preseason. Is Corey Davis – are we now overcorrecting again this time, drafting him too high, taking Corey Davis here in the eighth round? I don't, I mean, it's the eighth round, so I don't think it's bad. Um, I don't mind chasing the usage in the preseason because that is valuable information. Um, I, I kind of just don't see a breakout from him. I do think there's enough competition at receiver once they're all on the field. So uh, I'm not drafting him a ton, but I don't think by any means eighth round is, is a problem. Also, apparently Ben Brown was considering drafting Logan Thomas despite having drafted Travis Kelsey, to which I say you probably would have been fired. Um, had you done that, <laughs> we probably would. It just would have been. I mean, you're running the draft, so we we can't do it in the middle of the draft. But you know, by the end of it, you know, we, we would have definitely had to have. I'm just a talk. trying to stay on brand. On brand, and that's his guy. So don't. <laughs> that is his guy. That's true. Uh, he did call the breakout last year. Um, but uh, I, we have to hold on. So Damian Harris gets picked here in the ninth round. I uh, in the last podcast when we were talking about sleepers, ta- I asked Eric why on earth. If Philip Lindsay is going at pick 130, why are we taking Damian Harris in the sixth round? Um, and here, Damian Harris falls to round nine. So, Ryan, uh, is Damian Harris worth more than Philip Lindsay? And was he drafted too late here in the ninth round? Damian Harris is worth more than Philip Lindsay, just because I think this Patriots offense is going to be somewhat okay, maybe kind of more competent than down in Houston. I mean, that situation just is an absolute dumpster fire. They could win zero games this year, and I don't think people would be that surprised. The Patriots love playing their power run football. Um, It's not fun to watch. I hated it all last year. Every Sunday, I would get (laughs) super mad every time we'd run on first and 10 and on second and eight. But I mean, Damian Harris is actually locked into some volume this year. I really think this Ramondre Stevenson stuff is noise. So in the ninth round, I mean, yeah, lock in that volume. I mean, as your RB4, uh, like it is for Justin, then that's really good depth. So yeah, I don't have a problem with it at all. Yeah, uh, we saw Ramondre Stevenson get compared to Ladanian Tomlinson on Twitter. So that was fun. Uh, I really liked that a lot. Uh, definitely, definitely for real there. Um, and then, uh, Callan, you picked David Johnson right after Damon Harris. So talking about that Texans backfield, why are we drafting David Johnson? I tried to word that as nicely yeah, as I yeah, could. No, it's kind of <laughs> – I feel like for sure, Carrie, it's kind of almost – I will say it was a pivot pick. Damon Harris was next on my queue. He picked mm. – I was batting people in the queue and had to make the – pick uh make a late pick but he's supposed to be getting somewhat guaranteed this work and he's gonna get in the passing game i'm not set on it it's kind of just hoping that he gets it but i'll admit it was partly a panic pick after getting sniped a second too soon i mean if there is a if there is a league to pick david johnson in it's a ppr league as he is going to uh have the 
uh, third down work this year. Um, he has always been productive in the passing game when uh, play callers will actually throw him the ball. Um, so it's not terrible for a PPR league, no. but Houston, you know, it is tough. Um, Eric, you picked me Cole Hardman there. Uh, popular sleeper pick got him in yep. round nine. Um, are you expecting some more volume in this Kansas city offense beyond Hill and Kelsey? I, I mean, it should happen one of these days. Uh, you got to think something's going to come up where they get a third person involved. Much like Cowan, um, I watched Zach Moss go the pick before me, which was my target mm. as my RB3. I um, had Damian Harris queued up as well. So um, that's kind of one of those where there wasn't a pick I loved on the board and I'm just shooting for upside. Uh, it's, you know, I think I probably drafted Michael Hardman in the ninth round last year. Didn't work out. Um, it may be thrown away a pick, but he's just one of those one of those draft picks where if it hits, it's going to pay off for you big time. So I'm really I'll going high upside here, high. huh? Yeah, I mean, oh, I've already got four receivers, you know. Um, I'm just, at this point, I don't really need Jarvis Landry on the bench or whatever to back him up. So I'd rather go for someone who could be a, a big difference maker. And then, uh, Ryan, it looks like you might have successfully started a running back run here as yes, after you I'm picked Kenyon Drake, uh, James Conner went, then you picked A.J. Dillon, and we've had Fournette and Hines go. Um, before I ask you about Drake and Dillon, uh, you picked Dallas Goddard at the end of the seventh round. And Noah Fant went uh, in the beginning of the 10th round. So you could have gotten Fant two rounds later. Do you feel like you might have reached a little bit at tight end knowing where Fant ended up going? Yeah, I definitely feel like I reached a tight end. I mean, th this is what happens pretty much anytime you draft a middle round tight end is you're shoulda, coulda, woulda in a couple rounds later. But I, that's how it goes sometimes. I mean, maybe you guys are right. Maybe I need to just finally get off of Dallas Goddard. And maybe maybe I've been too take locked on him. So maybe maybe this is a lesson and this is why we do mock drafts. At the same time, I was about to say, does it matter, though? Because the second you don't pick Dallas Goddard in the seventh round, um, things go a little bit differently. We're all watching What If, right? The great Marvel series. And and all it takes that one butterfly effect. And then, boom, 10 tight ends went off the board before your next pick. So that's just that's the kind of thing that you kind of have to have kind of a short memory on when you're drafting. There's nothing you can do. You can't go back and change your Dallas Goddard pick now. You got to trust your gut and go with your guy. Um, speaking of your guy, you took Kenyon Drake and AJ Dillon. Um, Kind of a couple of handcuffs. I'm not really sure. What are we expecting from Kenyon Drake while Josh Jacobs is healthy? I'm not entirely sure what to expect, but I mean, they paid him like 12.5 million guaranteed or something like that. I can't imagine that Kenyon Drake is like a two touch a game backup for Josh Jacobs this year. Like unless the Raiders really just wanted to get rid of money like they I can't see Drake not having at least a role on third downs for sure. And I mean, if Josh Jacob were to get get hurt, Drake is walking into a ton of volume. The Raiders are always very mm -hmm. run heavy. And I mean, it's a similar process with A.J. Dillon. We could see some usage in the beginning of the year, maybe on the goal line, uh, maybe spelling Jones. The Packers have liked to use two running backs to keep Jones healthy. So both of these guys could see some early season usability while also really having that upside if an injury were to occur. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, and you know, it may have just been that they went into the casinos and won big on like a craps table. And then they were like, all right, Kenny and Drake, you got all that money you wanted because we got a lot more money all of a sudden. Who knows? Uh, who knows how the cap works in the NFL? I mean, I'm pretty sure sometimes it just works like that. Um, I want to ask about Ryan Tannehill who is picked here with the fifth pick of the 10th round. So let's pick uh 108 110 i know math it's like around there okay and his general adp uh on fantasy data has been pick 93 i feel like it's even higher than that on yahoo um why why are we so much lower on ryan Tannehill? 
it feels like I, it feels like the industry, and by that I mean like the people who uh, write and podcast at various fantasy football websites, is generally lower on Ryan Tannehill than the public is. So, Eric, why do you think we're all drafting Tannehill so much lower? I mean, there's only 12, 12 teams in a league, and everyone's going to draft one quarterback, so people are just going to fall. Um, I don't think most of us have anything against Ryan Tannehill. We just go with the rushing upside above him. Yes, he does mm-hmm. have of Tom Brady. Upside. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know. <laughs> Sorry, let me make I know you don't here. like Tom Brady. So. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, well, Tom Brady also just threw how many touchdowns did he throw? Forty some touchdowns. Like, I mean, he's he's got a great supporting cast around him. There's some more question marks in Tennessee than there is in Tampa Bay. So, but no, I mean, there's just once you know, once you pick a quarterback, you don't think about him again for another. 10 rounds or whatever. So somebody's going to fall. I hear it a lot with Tannehill, people kind of thinking everyone's hating on him. And I I think he's a great option. So it's just um, how early you want to take a quarterback, how much upside you want, but he's been efficient. You just worry that they lose that efficiency without Arthur Smith. But I I think he's got another good year in him. Do we, do we think his ADP gets pushed up in, in like Yahoo and ESPN because there are teams that draft two quarter, like, like the, the team that drafts Dak Prescott might draft the second quarterback in like a general public league. Like, right. do we think that's what's pushing up Tannehill's ADP is just that t- people are more willing to have two quarterbacks um, I, I, than anyone really in this draft will? Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but we've also, we've maybe got Trey Lance coming. We've maybe got Justin Fields coming. Um, you know, Zach Wilson has looked good. Like, there's plenty of people that people get excited about and hype up about Tannehill. So, I don't know. I, I think he's going to be a good deal in just about every draft. Um, so, if you're patient, he's going to be there for you. All right, that's fair. And then I also, I just really like you being on brand, picking Giovanni Bernard ahead of other uh, pass-catching running backs like J.D. McKissick, who went one pick later, and James White, who still uh, is available to be drafted. Um Callan, you picked Tyler Higby there ahead of Mike Kosicki. So this is kind of what like the end of the tight end run looks like um, uh, in a in a industry league. It'll look very different probably in your home league. Uh, but Higby there in round 10. And then T.Y. Hilton in round 11. Um, are you not concerned about him being, you know, old and unable to play? No, I'm not concerned with that. You see okay, there we go. my team, it's filled with the... Uh, kind of older receivers with Alex <laughs> and Adam Thielen, but you know, the volume will be David Johnson. Yeah. David Johnson. Yeah. You know, you know, the volume will kind of be there. Pittman's after Pittman, who really is that number two target. So I think that Hilton's pretty I know, safe. And after taking a, who did I take? Will Fuller. I feel like I've needed a, a little bit more, a safety in the back end. So I figured T.Y. Hilton would be good there. Yeah, Callan wants to get a AARP discount with his, uh, using his fantasy football uh, roster as his reference point. Um, Look, I'm in, I'm in school right now. Any discount I can get on anything would be nice. There you go. Let me, let me ask you guys a question. This came from, uh, from our chat. What is the proper way to react after being sniped? And I, you know, obviously I think having, again, having a clean queue is important, but I feel like the proper way to react generally throw your phone across the room is probably a good one. Um, scream into a pillow, uh, or maybe just like break your glass of water. What do we think? Which is the proper way to react or being sniped? Uh, well, I'm still hurting from Ryan sniping me on AJ Dillon. That was my plan. I wish I had taken him instead of me Hardman now, but, um, I just like to silently kind of seethe about it, you know, just kind of, really boil inside, get that pick out, and then maybe throw something afterwards. That's the strategy I go with. <laughs> Ryan, usually, what about you? Yeah. I I usually think of something really mean to say on Twitter. Like if, <laughs> if, if I'm in if I'm in like an underdog draft and I'm going for like a Titan stack with AJ Brown, Julio, Ryan Tannehill, 
and someone snipes him like a round ahead of ADP. I'm, you know, I'm taking a screenshot of that and putting that guy on blast on Twitter. Callan, what's your, so we've got subtweeting. We have silence seething. What, what do you do, Callan? I usually go to throw the phone route and just, uh, get frustrated I, I the only reason i haven't done any of that today is i'm sitting live on a live stream if this was a normal draft and i was sitting in my room quietly there may be some stuff on the floor i need to pick up after after a draft it, it is also a mock draft this team does That's not true. matter after tonight um eric i want to i want to uh, ryan i want to ask you about your picks but eric first i need to ask you because you now have five running backs in your roster uh-huh. um only one of which has a solidified role. Um, I mean, you could say Giovanni Bernard has a role. We don't know what the volume looks like on that role yet. Uh, so what are you going to do in week one? Like what's your, who's, are you starting Trey Sermon week one? Are you starting Gio Bernard? What is your, what is your plan here? You got to play the matchups, man. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what Trey Sermon looks like week one. We'll get some more information. We'll see how that clears up. If Tampa Bay's playing a shootout, I like Bernard and shootout type games, uh, but it's one position I have to fill. Daryl Henderson's hurt his thumb or something at this point. So maybe he's out and maybe Xavier Jones is a starting running back. You know, uh, it's a long way away from the start of the season miles. So don't worry about my uh, RB two. It'll, it'll work out just fine. This is, this is why now looking back on the draft, I think I would have rather had drafted like Daryl Henderson, miles Gaskin um, in round four, and then gotten a different wide receiver. But do you know what uh, they're going to do week one? I mean, do we really know Daryl Henderson's going to be that good or miles Gaskin? I, I mean, mean, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be miles good, Gaskin's but I know that they're going to, I know that they're going to play. All That's right. the difference is I know that they're at least going to get playing time. So that, that to me is the, is the concern. I, I I'm po- totally fine um, with Pollard Bernard Jones there at the end as like, you know, running backs uh, three through five. I just feel like it, at this point, you know, I want something a little bit more, you know, safe out of these guys. I mean, honestly, I'd feel better about you drafting Gus Edwards who Ryan took. I think Gus Edwards is being massively underdrafted considering how much Baltimore runs. Um, I, I think he's a lot safer than people think. And I like you going for upside, but I think at some point you got to get safety um, before you defend yourself. Cause I don't want you to Ryan uh, <laughs> Gus Edwards, fantastic pick uh, Jacoby Myers uh, looking at the other wide receivers that went off the board. Pretty good pick. Um, I don't know that you needed to draft a wide receiver there, but Gus Edwards, I like him. So what are you seeing uh, in Edwards here that you took him ahead of guys like Xavier Jones uh, or I don't even know who the other running backs you could have taken. So uh, ahead of Xavier Jones, then what, what do you see out of Edwards? Yeah, sure. So we've seen Gus Edwards have a significant role in his offense before. We haven't seen that with Xavier Jones. And I mean, maybe the Rams offense ends up being better for running back scoring fantasy points than the Ravens one does. But I think both of these are good situations. So I'm going to err on the side of the guy that we've seen it before with. And I, I mean, this could be a lot closer to like a 50 50 split with JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards than Mm -hmm. maybe we're comfortable admitting to ourselves. So I'm really comfortable with Gus Edwards when I'm going, when I'm looking for upside running backs later, that's who I'm going with. Especially since they really fill two different roles and not similar runners at all. So I, I easily could see the Ravens using both in a, a good capacity. And Cal and I, Jamal Williams is someone that I'm starting to really come a lot more around on um, as it seems more and more likely that that Swift's workload is not going to be to the same level as guys that are being, being drafted up there. I feel like Williams is one of those guys, especially in a PPR league, that you should be able to play um, as like a, a, I don't know, 
running back two on a, a high injury week, or, you know, I don't know, maybe Eric, you should have drafted Jamal Williams. That's someone you could start week one. Um, what did you, what would you see in Jamal Williams and then Latavius Murray? Is it just having that safety at running back? A little bit of safety with the, I'm trying to find an RB two here when I, after having Alvin Kamara and then going receiver and I think Javante Williams is going to play week one or we'll play week one, but won't get the big workload we're expecting. So you have to kind of mix and match these first few weeks. And like I said, the safety of Jamal Williams, he's going to get the work. I'm okay with that. Latavius Murray, I think he's going to be more involved than we're expecting as well. He may kind of be similar. He may get some goal line touches. So I like that. And also handcuffing Alvin Kamara is never a terrible idea in grabbing him. I like both two guys similarly. So it's just taking running backs late to try and find someone to play at RB2 until Williams gets a breakout. We're all kind of expecting him to. All right. And now I, one thing I wanted to make sure, because in a previous uh, previous mock drafts we had done, we had not included kickers in defense. And I wanted to see, you know, as people out there are drafting kickers in defense and they're drafting them a lot earlier, by the way. Um, first kicker went off the board here in round 14. First defense went off the board in round 13. Um, whereas, you know, kickers in, you know, regular leagues are have ADP like Justin Tucker and Harrison Bucker going in round 11. So three rounds earlier is when you see the first kickers going defense. You see the first defenses go off the board. Uh, Pittsburgh goes at pick one Oh six Los Angeles, uh, the Rams go at, and uh, Buccaneers both go at pick one sixteen. So they're both within the first 10 rounds. Um, we, it looks like are just waiting till the end of the draft to pick kickers and defense. Um, Ryan, you uh, had one of the first picks here in the final two rounds and you went with a kicker first. Um, is there a reason why you decided to go for Butker as opposed to say like the Rams defense or the Steelers defense? Yeah, I think we're generally a lot better at predicting who the top few kickers have a chance to be than the top few defenses. I mean, Harrison Butker is locked into the Kansas city chiefs offense. I mean, there, there's really no way that he's not seeing some of the best opportunity of any kicker in the league this year. Normally I wouldn't draft a kicker or a defense. Uh, I'm doing it for the purposes of this mock. Um, but you normally could draft a couple of upside running backs or something to see how their role might shake out before week one. And then most likely drop them right beforehand for a kicker streamer and a defensive streamer. But just for the purposes of the mock, I figured I would go ahead and take Butker there. Yeah, that's actually what I did in uh, one of my drafts. I did not draft a kicker. I did draft the defense with my last pick, but I specifically went and looked for a defense to stream in the first three weeks. I think I went with the Broncos as they opened the season against the Giants. And I think like three of the first four matchups are like really easy. Um, yeah, my, so I'm, I, I'm actually cheating here. Uh, Justin Dunbar has a an article that will be published this week, but he's looking at best early uh, defensive matchups for early seasons. So did you just um, use your your admin privileges yeah. to read articles that have not been published yet, Eric? Absolutely. I have to throw <laughs> I have to throw a penalty on this draft. I'm I'm taking away yeah. Najee Harris. Uh, so anyway, uh, Denver Broncos are his third best early season defense. Uh, Giants, Jaguars, and Jets first three weeks. So that's why I went. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Jaguars probably the only team there that that gives me any kind of pause. Giants, I, I'm not worried about Daniel Jones. Who knows that Kenny Galladay is going to be back? Um, Jets, yeah, okay. I'm not worried about that. But um, to your point, though, so looking at, for example, Aaron Raiders' team, he actually did not draft a defense. Um, so he opted instead to take Joe Burrow in the 14th round uh, and kind of have a little bit of safety there at quarterback and only drafted a kicker. So um, it's definitely a strategy that people can use to ignore one or both of kicker and defense to take. Uh, I don't know if Burrow is the right guy, though. I, I, I don't know if that's the right kind of pick to make, because with Josh Allen, 
is Burrow going to really play in front of Josh Allen at any point? I mean, you're basically just handcuffing your quarterback. Um, if, if Allen gets hurt, you have Burrow. But I almost, I almost wonder if going for a high upside running back or wide receiver wouldn't have been a better uh, choice there, you know, to, to forego a defense for. Yeah. I mean, I didn't take a backup and I've got Dak just because there's plenty on the waiver wire. Um, Sleeper actually took away my ability to look at who's left right now, but um, there are plenty of quarterbacks available. I don't think anyone even took Trey Lance, which is probably terrible and it shows how late we're drafting quarterbacks here, but uh, there's some talent on the waiver wire. And like I always say, you know, Kirk Cousins is there for you if you need them. So um, there are startable quarterbacks on waivers. Yeah, and uh, also Corey, um, uh, also a, a for went for goad uh, a kicker <laughs> in in favor of taking Jameis Winston. So again, I mean, the two teams that that did not take a kicker in defense picked a quarterback, which I just I feel like that's not that's not the direction I would go. I, I would want to get someone like get a running back who, if there's an injury ahead of him, is suddenly interesting. Or actually, I'll tell you what I did, Eric. I picked Michael Gallup, who obviously in this draft went a heck of a lot earlier and there's no way that I was going to get Gallup there at the end of the draft. Actually, where did Gallup go? He went uh, eight eleven. Was Michael? Oh, okay. In the eighth round. There he is. So, but in the draft that I was in Gallup was available uh, in the 14th round. So I was like, well, I'm just going to take him going with the conversation we had on, on the sleepers podcast that he is almost like a handcuff wide receiver. And then if anything happens to CD lamb or Amari Cooper, like COVID, COVID CD, yeah. you know, <laughs> Then all of a sudden I have a wide receiver that I feel comfortable starting. Um, by the way, CD lamb should be fine. We've got like 17 days till the start of the regular season. Um, I want to ask about kicker and defense strategy. I know this is riveting stuff, but it, it is important to people out there who are drafting. So at, at a certain point in these last two rounds, you expect everyone to pick a kicker and a defense, right? Um, Callan at the point that you're picking, you kind of know there's only four picks between the only four <laughs> picks between for you, but how would you have felt uh, like, was there any world in which you were going to pick a defense first and then a kicker second? So defense is the one I usually end up streaming, kind of like what we said of Eric. I don't look as ahead. I, it may be nice to find the first three matchups, but if I can just find one person or a good week one matchup, like the 49ers in this case, elite defense, but also facing the Lions week one, and we don't think the Lions are going to be very good. So it's kind of balancing both. It helped that everyone seemed to be going kicker first. I was able to get one of those elite defenses, but generally just kickers what i'll just plug and keep and getting bass in a high powered bills offense isn't exactly a bad thing either yeah and i like kickers i mean a lot of what you both said um you don't have to worry about it week to week you can just plug in your kicker from day one i like to target kickers that play in domes just because there's nothing worse than trying to figure out weather with a kicker um and defense i know i'm going to stream defense anyway i know i'm going to cut them as soon as they play the chiefs or you know, whoever's out there. So um, I just, I know I'm going to turn and burn on defense. So I just want to use the smallest amount of capital as possible. So yeah, I mean, drafting this early, I probably wouldn't have taken a defense normally, um, but I just kind of wanted to follow through with the mock here and just show, you know, who I'd be targeting. So yeah, um, I don't know. What do you all think? I do like this draft overall. Uh, I'm still happy that I went uh, dig starting out. The one, there are maybe two mistakes I would point to. I, was happy to get Russell Wilson in the sixth round, but knowing that I could have had Trey Lance in the final round makes me <laughs> maybe not as hot on that. I mean, I do. I like you guys were kind of talking about we're maybe not uh, so happy about drafting two quarterbacks, but I think the time that it makes sense to draft two quarterbacks is if one of them is Trey Lance. I mean, going Trey Lance, Kirk Cousins right at the end is really attractive. Uh, so maybe missed out on that a little bit by going Wilson earlier. 
And then we already talked about it, but Dallas Goddard is just is sticking out like a sore thumb there. I was probably running a little low on time there. It was probably a little bit of a panic draft uh, and I paid for it ultimately. So yeah, I really would. I would have loved Tyler Higby in the 10th round. Uh, I would have loved Gerald Everett for free. And mm-hmm. either of those guys I really would have preferred. Yeah. I mean, you could say the same for me with Logan Thomas in the middle of the eighth. It was another two rounds before anyone else went. So it's just tough at tight end. Some drafts are all going to be gone by round seven or eight and other drafts they'll last till around 10. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't believe Tanyan was there at 12.6. I was actually going to take him at 12.7. Just I never draft two tight ends, but that was just too far for him to drop. But um, got sni- I got sniped a few times this draft. So coupled with podcasting while doing it, um, it, was, it was a tough draft, but I, I like it overall. I would agree with that. I, I Generally for me, for what I'm looking at, kind of like Miles was saying early, I want to get two running backs early. I'm kind of realizing as I'm looking at this team, I don't, I like Javante Williams. I like having him in my running back too, but I'd like the safety. I'm not mad about how I did it because the running backs who are left, I'm good with that strategy, but it kind of cements the idea in my head that I want to try and get two running backs when I have the option of doing that. This draft worked out pretty well for not having it, but just my general strategy kind of cements more of the idea that I want to get two running backs from the first four picks or so or for four rounds yeah yeah i like i like that right when i got my audio back i was hearing callan say how much he likes my general draft oh, you got your you got your you got audio back Shoot. yeah 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 i did and it and it works and it and I really again i'm sure you guys all said nice things about me but i only heard callan saying nice things about me so um but i i, I do want to i do want to point out there's only one team uh or two teams that took uh two running backs in the first two rounds and I don't, I mean, I don't know if I like Corey's approach because I don't know that I like Nick Chubb that much. Um, Aaron Jones, fantastic pick. And then Josh Jacobs, not a huge fan, but Aaron Raiders team um, with uh, Zeke Eckler Montgomery on the first uh, four rounds. And then he didn't pick a wide receiver until round six. Um, But I mean, the wide receivers he got, he still has Odell Beckham, DJ Chark, Jarvis Landry, uh, Hollywood Brown, and then uh, Ruggs, Aguilar, and Traquan Smith. I don't know if those are the wide receivers I would have taken, but I think if you look throughout those rounds of the draft that you can piece together uh, three good wide receivers um, on a week-to-week basis. And I, I feel a lot safer about that than you know having, for example, Mark Salazar's team where he didn't pick a running back until round eight. Yeah, you've got he has Tyreek Ridley and then DJ Moore and Chase Claypool. I mean, those three spots plus flex are, are set, but I don't know who his two starting running backs are on any given week. And that that concerns me. I'd just like to take a moment to acknowledge that he did not take CeeDee Lamb. I'm very impressed with Mark. So uh, Mark is uh, CeeDee Lamb's number one fan. So he probably would have if if he I mean he picked Ridley in round two and then CeeDee yep. Lamb didn't make it back to him. So I mean You'd have to be you'd have to be CeeDee Lamb's mother to pick CeeDee Lamb over Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Uh that's that's kind of how I feel. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't pick Zeke, but I think he was very uh clear that he wanted to go zero RB. Um and he really committed to it. I mean Tyreek uh, and Ridley is a it's hard to beat that start. So I, I, I can't fault him for that. Yeah. No, I mean if you're gonna start with two wide receivers, it's definitely two good wide receivers to start with, but uh, again, it just, I wonder if his lack of production at the two running back spots is going to come back to bite him, um, you know, throughout this season, that's never going to happen because this is a mock draft. Um, Eric, this, with your this, draft. Oh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so uh, Eric, zero RB drafters would say that all of these running backs are huge risks. After you get past Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, 
I mean, what do we, we don't know about Saquon. We don't know about Taylor, uh, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, starting to get towards the end of his career. Like there's just a lot of question marks at running back. So um, I, I think most of us who have a weak RB2 would push back that a lot of other teams have weak running backs. They just don't know about it yet. So um, you draft those receivers early, you get a quarterback early in the tight end and you just got a lot of solid production and you just hope you hit on some waiver wire moves. Um, that's, that's kind of my pushback on the, the, the running back questions. Cause I get it. They are big questions, but the season tends to work itself out. And if you're working hard on the waiver wire, you can get there. All right. Well, so, okay. So then let me ask you guys about Justin Dunbar's team. Cause he started with Dalvin cook, Deandre Swift and Daryl Henderson in the first four rounds. And his three starting wide receivers are going to be Justin Jefferson, Cortland Sutton and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I know that you're not as high on Cortland Sutton, Eric, but in general, like th- that team feels solid to me. Like I'm not, I don't have any concerns about the roster makeup here, especially you in that they were still able to get Kyler Murray in the fifth round and Mike Kosicki in the 10th. So I'm, I'm not concerned about the roster makeup of, of Justin Dunbar's team. Um, you know, maybe again, Swift and Henderson are question marks, but I, I don't know. That feels safer to me. No. And I would have taken Swift there at 3.6 as my RB two instead of Terry McLaurin. So he was certainly on my radar. And when I took Robert Woods in the fourth, I was debating between him and Daryl Henderson. So I really do like those picks. If you're going to take three in the first four rounds, I like that strategy from Justin. Uh, So yeah, no, I can't, I can't uh, push back against that draft. There's multiple ways to do this. You can take two, three, four running backs early on. Uh, You just really want to make sure they're the right ones because it can sink you if you just waste a bunch of capital on uh, kind of those RB dead zone types. All right. Um, Ryan, oh no, we already asked you about your draft. Um, Callan, I, I know you said that you'd wish that you had done something different and gone more running back. So looking back at the draft, um, what picks would you have changed? Like, would you have picked uh, uh, CEH or Swift instead of AJ Brown? Um, would you have picked uh, Daryl Henderson or Miles Gaskin instead of Adam Thielen? Like what actual changes could you have made here to have made you feel better about your team? I like how it turned out for that. I think this is how I would approach it if I was in the situation ideally in my mind for how the perfect draft in my mind would be having someone like DeAndre Swift or Clyde Edwards-Alaire fall to me at three or if I can't get it at four one of the other running backs that got taken earlier I'm fine with Josh. I know you don't like Josh Jacobs I'm fine with taking Josh Jacobs as my RB2 so if he fall, fell to round four so ideally I would rather have had one of the running backs fall I'm good with pivoting to the wide receiver but this isn't the ideal draft for me of how if it worked out in a perfect world, how I'd want it to, to go. Yeah. And I mean, at the, at the same time, this is a three wide receiver draft. Yeah, um, I know a lot of people play in two wide receiver leagues. And so we maybe wouldn't have seen this um, aggressive of going for wide receivers um, over running backs. Um, we're getting some, some messages in the chat from um, someone going by the name of Ray underscore Durr. And he's saying that team 10, that's Ray, no underscore Durr. So clearly two different people, uh, but he's saying team 10, uh, one, I, I like team 10. I do. I just talked about them. They, they picked three out of the first four uh, uh, picks of running backs. They got Josh Allen and Kyle Pitts. And then, I mean, again, I'm not in love with these wide receivers, um, Beckham, Chark, Landry, and uh, Hollywood Brown, but I'd like the idea. Um, I want to pivot real quick. There's one player I wanted to ask about earlier, and that was LaVisca Chenault being picked in the seventh round. Um, there's been a lot of pushback on DJ Chark uh, and that we should be picking Chenault instead. But I think specifically that Chark is being drafted earlier than we should be drafting a Jacksonville wide receiver, considering we don't know um, who Trevor Lawrence is going to favor and that Chenault at his price point is better than Chark. Um, 
then again, I say that and Chenault's uh, ADP is actually six picks higher than Chark. So it has shifted uh, in the past few weeks. Do I mean, do you guys feel that we are overdrafting Chenault and Chark um, and maybe should just be taking the second of the two or even drafting Marvin Jones, considering we really have no idea how things are going to play out in Jacksonville? Uh, I mean, I think Marvin Jones is a useful player. I don't know that he's going to give you one of those difference-making seasons. So that's my main problem with with Jones. But he's a good late-round target. Um, I don't think we're overdrafting him. I mean, you're looking at the running backs in that range. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt and James Robinson had just gone. So then we're to the Chase Edmonds, Melvin Gordon section. Um, so I, I don't think – I don't have a problem with that. There's not a lot of receivers I'm seeing um, other than, you know, like Will Fuller, who I love, that I'd take above. But um, I honestly – like – it feels like Chark would have the biggest upside if this works out. Um, if he becomes the number one, I think he's got some big play potential and he's kind of got that draft capital that could vault him to a big season, but I just don't feel that confident in it. I think Chenault's going to get a lot of close to the line of scrimmage stuff, which isn't necessarily ideal. Um, and I'm kind of waiting for the coaching staff to use him to the like full extent of his abilities. So that's kind of my issue. Um, I do think there's blow up potential if Trevor Lawrence takes this and runs with it. Um, so I don't mind taking shots on, on Chenault and Shark. And uh, I have a hard time handicapping them at this point. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I just think yeah, you're right that, that Marvin Jones isn't in the same conversation, but using a seventh round pick on Chenault yeah. or Chark when Marvin Jones could be Trevor Lawrence's favorite receiver. We, we don't, that's the thing is just, we don't know. And Marvin Jones is a good receiver in his own right. Um, just in, in my mind, some of the guys going after, uh, who went after both Chanel and Chark, who are in, uh, at least we understand their situation more. Debo Samuel, Antonio Brown, uh, Will Fuller all went the round after them. And I like, I think they have a similar upside and we know uh, what their situation is um, yeah. and, and their teams. I mean, I guess we don't with Fuller, but it's, I feel like Fuller's safer to project in my but I do like what Ben did there. I mean, he gets Chanel in round seven and then Lawrence in round 10. Like that's an awfully cheap stack right there. So uh, I don't know. That's a good value. I don't know if I would take a Lawrence when you already have Mahomes, but that's a different story. Um, speaking of cheap stacks, what do you think of Matt Dean's <laughs> bear stack with Tarnell Mooney in round nine and Justin Fields in round 12? I, I was trying to figure out what's the cheapest stack you can do. That's, that's pretty cheap there. I like it. I'm a fan of that. I, any, anytime you're taking Fields or Lance late, I'm a fan of it. Um, I should have done it, but I kind of running back got out of the way and I, I just had to take a few there. So I, I like it. All right. What, uh, what lessons did you feel you learned from mock drafting here, especially with having to draft a kicker and a defense? Like this is like a real full mock draft. Um, what did you learn that you can take back with you to your own drafts? Um, Ryan, we'll start with you. Cause you, you get all the mock draft practice with all your best ball drafts. What did you take away from this draft? Yeah, there were two things. I mean, number one is that underdogs ADP has completely broken broken my brain i mean wide receivers and even quarterbacks too because of the best ball format go so much earlier on that platform than they are going to in a real draft so this was a nice little adjustment to just get my brain on to redraft season for managed leagues mm -hmm. uh and then the other one is that your bench is shallower than you think it is i mean when i'm doing all these underdog drafts they're going 18 rounds deep i'm drafting receivers that we would never even consider drafting in a league with five bench spots like this. Like you really want to make every bench spot count. And I think getting guys like Edwards, Dylan, even Ty Johnson, and all I'd even argue Jacoby Myers are ways to maximize those few bench spots that you have. 
Yeah, I Ty Johnson going that late really seems uh silly to me considering how the Jets preseason has been going. I mean, if we're picking Michael Carter in the eighth round, uh, in the hopes that he gets the usage, I, I mean, Ty Johnson has, I think, as much claim to the Jets usage. And I mean, he showed like some pretty good uh, ability last year when he did get the role. Um, so I, I like those late picks. And, and you're right. I mean, in your league, your bench is five or six spots. Um, if you are the team that, took a chance on fields or Lance, you probably have one of those spots, uh, you know, set to a quarterback. Um, again, same thing. If you took two tight ends, like Justin Dunbar did taking Irv Smith in the 13th round. So that's only four spots you might have for running backs and wide receivers. Um, in a three wide receiver league, how many wide receivers do you want on your bench? Uh, I mean, it, part of it depends on how early you drafted those receivers. So I drafted three receivers in the first four rounds. So at that point, I'm okay with only carrying five receivers total on my roster, two on my bench. I mean, if I had done something like Aaron Raider did where I didn't have any wide receivers in the first four rounds, then it makes more sense to be carrying seven on your team. But I mean, wide receiver three is the cheapest and easiest position to fill off of waivers in the first few weeks. So I am not super concerned about only going into week one with five receivers because those are the type of guys where we learn a lot more about their role in the first week or two. So those will be the guys that you might be picking up when you're churning some of these other guys like Ty Johnson, if it doesn't seem like he has much of a role. And and they're also uh, to back to the point I made earlier about Fab. They're going to be a lot cheaper because people in the first few weeks, when you look at go back to previous years waiver wire columns, the first few weeks it's dominated by running backs who had more usage or there was an injury ahead of them. So you're not blowing, you know, thirty percent of your Fab or more or your number one waiver spot on a wide receiver. Um, those guys are usually a little bit easier to um, acquire. Um, you know, costs less uh, in season capital, whether that's your waiver wire spot or uh, fab. Um, Callan, what did you learn from this mock draft? I like what Ryan said about making sure your bench spots count and having that uh, that upside. I think that's maybe something that looking back on the draft, maybe getting a little more upside on my bench. I like T.Y. Hilton, but maybe I should have gone with uh, Terrace Marshall like the next pick because I had those elite three wide receivers to start maybe go with a bit more upside at the wide receiver with the start that I had. So that's, that's a good thing is making those things count and getting some upside on your bench as well, but also being amendable with your strategy. And I think this one quick took a quick, like I said, I like to get the two, two start with two running backs, two wide receivers, but then with the board, being able to pivot and be okay going with it and getting, figuring out how to adjust and getting those running backs. So really taught me to, how to be, amendable and how to take go to take the strategy just crumble it up throughout the window and adjust on the fly so this is, that was a big step or big thing in this draft for me there you go and and i wanted to recap your teams before we talk so i'm uh, sorry about that with ryan but ryan uh callen seem uh lamar jackson at quarterback uh camara and some combination of javante williams slash james robinson starting at running back uh a uh a, a. J. brown i was about to say antonio brown sorry. aj brown keenan allen adam Thielen at wide receiver i assume after week one, Will Fuller will be your flex and then a bench. Uh, sorry, Tyler Higby, a tight end, and then a bench of David Johnson, Jamal Williams, Latavius Murray, and T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Ryan uh, drafted uh, Russell Wilson at quarterback. I'm uh, going to be starting Gibson and Travis Etienne at running back. Stephon Diggs, Amari Cooper, Cooper Cup at wide receiver. 
uh, Antonio Brown, probably at flex Dallas Goddard at tight end. And then a lot of running backs on your bench, Kenyon Drake, AJ Dillon, Gus Edwards, and Ty Johnson, who I like all of those running backs. I feel like you were drafting off of my rankings there. And then Jacoby Myers as your bench wide receiver. Um, Eric, before I get your final thoughts and what you learned, uh, Eric's team, Everyone started the same, by the way, three wide receivers in the first four rounds. Um, but Eric getting Dak Prescott at quarterback, um, Najee Harris, and then Trey Sermon as his uh, starting running backs uh, in air quotes there because no one knows what's going to happen to Trey Sermon at the start of the season. Uh, Devontae Adams, Terry McLaurin, Robert Woods uh, as your starting wide receivers. Robbie Anderson, who I like. I like Robbie Anderson a lot uh, as your flex. Logan Thomas, the tight end, and then a bench of uh, all upside plays or almost all upside plays. Mecole Hardman, Tony Pollard, and Xavier Jones with old man Gio Bernard. And longest Giants tenured player, Sterling Shepard, uh, <laughs> as your backup wide receiver. Still sounds weird. I I feel like Shepard hasn't been around that long, but he's been around for like six years now. Um, Eric, what did you learn from this mock draft? What would you have done differently? Yeah, so I was really happy with the first eight rounds, getting four really good receivers to – running backs that I like, even though Miles doesn't like them, and then Logan Thomas. Um, I would say when I took Robert Woods in the fourth, um, I probably should have just taken Kyler Murray and Lamar Jackson instead of taking Dak Prescott in the fifth, and then I could have taken the receiver that was there. I'm still trying to adjust to taking these quarterbacks earlier, um, and f- taking one in the fourth round just feels wrong. But I, I, the upside for Lamar there, who I would have taken, is bigger than Dak Prescott's. So, um, but other than that, um, my problems with my draft started in the ninth round. Um, that was when Zach Moss got picked right before me at running back. And I took Nicole Hardman. I'm fine with that pick. But what I should have done is taken A.J. Dillon. Uh, that's basically who I was waiting for to get on the way back. And Ryan beat me to him. Uh, I think that's one of those spots where you got to know who you're drafting against and um, throw ADP out the window a little bit and take the players you want. Because uh, he's just the biggest upside bench stash that's out there, in my opinion, as far as the running back goes. And so I would have rather had him instead of me, Cole Hardman, and taking a receiver. And that kind of chain reaction made me take Tony Pollard, Giovanni Bernard, and Xavier Jones there just to throw some some bodies at the position there. So um, that was my biggest mistake was um, drafting me, Cole Hardman. I should have taken A.J. Dillon. But, I mean, that happens sometimes. It's it's really tough to predict where A.J. Dillon's going to go in a draft. So other than that, I like it, um, and I'll figure out running back as we go. All right, so let me let me ask you just so we can kind of uh, do this little exercise. Let's say you took Lamar Jackson in round four instead of Robert Woods. So you're not going to take Dak, uh, obviously, in round five. Um, which of the wide receivers would you have taken? Uh, right after you picked Dak was Chase Claypool, Jamar Chase, Kenny Galladay, Jerry Judy. Um, would you have taken one of those, or is it someone that kept on falling even after that? No, I, I think Claypool would have been next up on my board right there. Um, Chase, I need to drop a little bit in my rankings, so he falls below him. So it would have been Claypool. I really like Claypool, and I haven't been drafting him enough, so I would have been really happy with him as my wide receiver three. Um, and then I have Robbie Anderson kind of backing him up if he doesn't come around right away. So I, it would have been Claypool there. All right, and then the same uh, exercise, but with round nine, if you take AJ Dillon there instead of Michael Hardman, um, you say that you know that kind of led you down. Uh, the path of taking Pollard, Bernard, and Jones. But um, just focusing on the 10th round, uh, who would you have taken instead of Tony Pollard uh, had you had A.J. Dillon uh, as your third running back? Yeah, I I would not have taken a running back there. If I had taken Dillon, I would have waited on Bernard probably the next round. Um, So I I think I'd probably looking at like Russell Gage there. Uh, Maybe Hardman even makes it back. I'm not sure where people were targeting him, but I think it'd be Hardman, Gage, uh, Rondale Moore. Um, He's one I'm interested in. So those would have been some I'm looking at there in round 10. 
Do you guys think that Eric made a mistake there with with the picks that he made? Would you, uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. Would you have done Lamar in the fourth and Claypool in the fifth versus Woods and Prescott, and then uh, Dylan and we'll we'll say Russell Gage um, instead of Hardman and Pollard. Uh, so with the fourth and fifth round, I really like Robert Woods a lot more than I like Chase Claypool. I do think Claypool has a lot of upside. I'm not so sure that the Steelers are going to continue their high volume passing like they have in the last couple of years. So I would really stick with Woods and Prescott over Lamar and Claypool there. Uh, but for the other one, I really, I am, I've always been out on Mecole Hardman. He's really just never done anything at any level of football since he's been in college to make me think he can be a reliable fantasy producer. So yeah, I would have skipped out on Hardman and gone AJ Dillon there. All right, Callan, what about you? I'm going to agree with Ryan there. I really like Robert Woods. He would have been my pick if uh, wow. he came to me okay. instead of Adam Thielen. So I would have, I like him and Prescott. I'm not usually looking quarterback round four. So that's maybe just a personal thing, but so I was good at five. And then I would have gone AJ Dillon and, Russell Gage and Gage is another kind of guy like in the later rounds that I wouldn't have minded on this team, but and Michael Hardman's still good, but having AJ Dillon would have been good. So I, I probably would have done the same thing Ryan said. All right. Uh, last, last things. Um, I want you guys to give yourself a grade on this draft. Eric, how would you grade yourself here? Uh, I'll give myself like a B minus. Honestly, I've had a lot of drafts I've liked more than this one. So getting sniped on a few players uh, put me back a few spots. Um, I, I'll definitely take this into a season, but I've had drafts where I come out of it a lot more excited. So if you could let me have, uh, you know, a couple of these players like Zach Moss, maybe added in um, no, a couple, no, you know, a couple you, you of snipes, him. then uh, I'll give myself mm. a B minus. But no, mm. B minus. <laughs> if if I could have had guys that weren't available to me in my picks, yeah. give me an A minus. I like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, if I could have just drafted Travis Kelsey in the fourth round. A plus, you know, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, uh, how would you grade your draft? Yeah, I was also going to say I'd give myself a B minus. I I really think that the second half of my draft was pretty strong. I really like what I did with my bench. Um, But that Dallas Goddard pick is just going to be sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, I could have had I maybe could have gone Jerry Judy over Wilson and probably still gotten Wilson uh, there in the seventh round. So I'd probably like my team a lot more if I had done that. So but like we there's, said, shoulda, coulda, woulda. There's so. no way you're getting Wilson because Herbert, Rogers, and Hertz all went after you pick Wilson before your next pick. You might have you might have been looking at the draft um, at the wrong at the wrong turn there. Oh um, yeah, no, sorry, I got the turns confused. But yeah, I I still the Dallas Goddard pick is yeah a big black mark there. I mean, even even if even if you had picked Goddard two rounds later. Um, you know, cause you, you maybe wouldn't have had Goddard, but Fant would have been on the board there. Higby would have been on the board there. So you definitely had some tight end options available to you just two rounds later. Um, and you'd even mentioned, uh, uh, you know, some of the other tight ends, uh, what Gerald Everett for free, uh, yep. someone you could add really late. Um, Callen, give yourself a grade here. I'm going to change it up. I'll give myself just a flat B instead of a B minus. Yep, exactly. Uh, the way I pivoted for the going wide receivers in the first three rounds, which is something I don't, or not the first three rounds, the next three rounds, is not something I normally do, but I like how it turned out. There's some picks I probably would have changed. I would have liked to get not a snipe, but for a strategy that I don't usually do as much, I kind of like how this team turned out, but there's one or two picks are things I would do a slightly different. So I'll go, I'll go B. I'm happy if I'll take into a season, but there's some things I would have, would have liked to do instead. Welcome back. 
All right. Well, that's going to do it for us here tonight. Uh, hopefully you're able to take this mock draft and apply it to your drafts uh, as you, uh, I know draft season's coming up. So, you know, understand, you know, how to draft, you know, with different position, we, we made sure to um, have both, you know, uh, Cal and Eric and, and Ryan all kind of spread out throughout the draft to kind of see what drafting from different positions look like, uh, what different strategies you can take and, and whatnot throughout your draft to kind of help you, uh, win your drafts and, and get started on your season on the right foot. Um, but yeah, that'll do it for us here tonight. Uh, you know, you can always ask us uh, questions, follow up questions on our Twitter at the QB list uh, or in our discord. If you join PL plus, uh, you can access to our discord and ask us all the questions uh, that you like about all the dumb picks that everyone makes. So um, but we will see you guys next time. 